You are listening to Falcons Audible Podcast presented by AT&T. I am Matt Topeka at AtlantaFalcons.com and joining me today is Rich McKay, President and CEO of the Atlanta Falcons. Rich, thanks so much. Matt, I'm happy to be here. It's kickoff week and I'm looking yes. forward to it. Yes, it is, finally, uh, after a long summer. Um, Rich, so we're talking today basically about, I want to get right into it, the Hall of Fame, specifically Mr. Falcon, Tommy Nobis. Uh, I know you feel really strongly, a lot of people feel strongly, NFL circles, Falcon circles, fans, a lot of people remember his career still, Um, but it's of particular interest right now because you have a letter that's going to come out on AtlantaFalcons.com. Um, and you can tell us a little bit more about that, but also the the Pro Football Hall of Fame is going to include 20 inductees in its 2020 centennial class, including 10 seniors, five modern players, three contributors, and two coaches. Yeah, so for me, uh, Matt, as I came to see you probably six weeks ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> I told you that uh, to me, uh, to me I've, I've waited too long to take a stance on Tommy. Um, We've tried to politic from behind, which means, you know, you call the people that are going to go in the room, uh, you talk to the presenters, you, you do all those things. But it really, we, ha- we have not moved the needle enough to get uh, Tommy uh, in, into the hall. And this is the opportunity. This is the year with, with, uh, with it opening up and the amount of seniors that can get in. Um, it just, to me, Tommy is the first pick in the franchise. He earned the moniker of, of Mr. Falcon. You don't, they don't give you that. That's not something that's just given. Right. Um, he earned it. He earned it by his play. He earned it by his locker room. He earned it by playing through some incredible injuries. He had injuries in his career. He just kept playing. Uh, he was an incredibly tough dude. Uh, when I got to the Falcons um, in 03, mm-hmm. 04, uh, Tommy worked here. And, uh, you know, he was uh, still here and, and still a contributor and still played a part in. We're sitting in Flowery Branch today. Tommy Nobis did the deal to bring the Falcons to Flowery Branch. So Tommy was oh, really? a, was a, yes, he was okay. a franchise player from beginning to end. And um, <laughs> when you look at his play and you look at who he was and you, and you think about the fact that there was a year where he was rookie of the year. So he's the first pick in the draft and then rookie of the year. 1966. Not, not easy to do. Right. Um, I, I think some crazy stat, like he averaged like 20 or 22 tackles a game. Uh, so that's just an incredible feat. And then plays 11 years on a team that really wasn't competitive. Two winning seasons, still goes to the Pro Bowl five times. Um, <clears throat> I can just tell you from my own experience with my dad, having coached an expansion team, that is not easy. Right. The Falcons won 50 games in his 11 seasons. That's not a lot. And, you know, the first question that people say, even in the building here today, it's like, you know, they we, we mentioned Tommy Nobis, and the first thing people say is, why isn't he in the Hall of Fame? What what happened? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, he, he really he legitimately should be because I think I went through it myself in Tampa um, when I was working in Tampa and Leroy Selman first came up. <clears throat> it was really wasn't that hard to get him in. He was mm-hmm. the first pick in the franchise's history in Tampa. He had been the legitimate carrier of the water. Those were better teams, three out of those teams of his nine years. He went to the playoffs, but, but Leroy only played nine years. Right. And, uh, and so he's, he got in and got in pretty easily. And to me, nobody carried that water for Tommy uh, in that room uh, because his play certainly did. And I just think now we need to just heighten the awareness and, uh, and say, listen, 
for respect for our franchise, for respect for our franchise player, for respect for the guy that that truly gave everything he had to mm-hmm. the game of football, uh, Tommy deserves a nod in the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. You had made some points in your letter that's going to come out, and you brought up Leroy Selman. Um, did that little bit of TV exposure, those playoff games for Leroy Selman, granted the Bucks, they, you know, you, they had some success, but he was on TV. With, I'm not, with, I, think it's, I, I think, Matt, I think part of it is 10 years later. I think the fact that pro football in 66, yeah. you know, college football was probably bigger than pro football in 66. By it's, 76, pro football was bigger than college football and growing and much more dominant on television. Yeah. I mean, just much more dominant on television. And and therefore, Leroy had a bigger platform. Mm-hmm. Yes, he played an NFC Championship game. He played in some, on some better teams. Mm-hmm. But I think also that he came at a better time. Yeah. Tommy, and then I think Tommy's perception, and, and we write it in the article, Tommy's perception is a little bit of, well, he was a great college player and not that great a pro. He was a great pro. He was a great college player. I mean, there's nobody in the history of the game that was voted the best offensive lineman in college football and in the and same year voted the best all-around player because he played on defense. Yeah. And that is uh, that gets you on the cover of Sports Illustrated, uh, and uh, he, he just was a wonderful football player. I think that's important to bring up and, and just kind of reinforce people. There was no Internet, no social media. Um, there wasn't TV. Not everybody had TVs in their houses back then. And here, the, the big thing was, was newspapers and magazines, and if you had a TV, and radio. But the biggest magazines in the land, Life Magazine, Sports Illustrated Magazine, he was on the cover yeah, no, he's a, he's as a great the player. best player. And great he was player. the best player on, arguably, like you said, the best team in the land. And they were knocking off, you know, Roger Staubach's Navy teams, Joe Namath's Alabama teams. He, the other he thing I said about Tommy, and I said it to you when I came to see you originally, is that he's one of the few guys that could get in in multiple categories. Because the other thing he did is he contributed to, to football today, to football. The reason football is where it is is guys like Tommy played the game the way they played the game, whether they played it at Texas or whether they played it for the Atlanta Falcons, and they made it what it was, a national sport. It's not a local sport. It's not a small sport. It is a national sport. Guys like Tommy helped that uh, come about. So what's it going to take? What's it going to take to get people's attention? I know we got this letter. You're doing this podcast. We're going to we're going to put it out there. Um you know, well, I, I think, know. You know, we'll all do our little politicking. I've always done the little politicking in this world. Um yeah. but I think in the end it, it's it's going to take some people at the top uh, of the chain that, that are in that pro football writers group uh, to help carry that water. They've got to be ones that give credibility to it. This will be a very unusual year. To have this many people get in, uh, 10 seniors, it will be very unusual in, in how they vote and, and how this transpires. This will not be a two-hour meeting. No. Um, so it will be interesting. We'll definitely look into it and figure out how we can influence it if we can. But to me, I don't think we need to influence it. I think his record speaks for itself. Well, you mentioned influencer in 2015. Peter King named you number 10 out of the 100 most influential people in the NFL. Yeah. Lucky Uh, me. Well, Probably because of some rule change that year that he was. Oh, actually, you know what that year was? He was happy about um, we moved the extra point. Oh, okay. But I, you know, to me, I've been in the league a long time. I've known, I know a lot of people in this league. 
And I think when you look historically and you look at franchises and you say, okay, who's their seminal player, mm-hmm. right? When you looked at the Seattle Seahawks, you said Steve Largen. When you mm-hmm. looked at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you said Leroy Selman. Those were franchise players on expansion teams. And expansion teams in the 60s and 70s, here's what they were given, mm-hmm. okay? They were given, if they were playing poker and you, were in China, you got five cards, the expansion teams were given one card to play poker against the other people that had five cards. Just realize it's kind of an unfair match. That's what they were given. But these seminal players, like Tommy, like Leroy, like Steve Largent, they overcame it, and they they performed at the highest level. Mm -hmm. Yes, they don't have the win-loss record to, to show because that's not the franchise they were in. They should not be punished for that. They should be rewarded for what they did, which is to continue to play at a high, high level on teams that at many times weren't as competitive as you'd like. That's such a huge important point too because it has changed now when the you know the nfl hasn't had an expansion team in quite some time but they they want those teams now to succeed immediately well free agency changed it matt so 92 free agency comes in 93 free agency comes in and then 95 is expansion year of uh, jacksonville and carolina and the rules were modified at that point and there was a lot of us that sat in that room and said hey we need to modify these in a way where these teams can win and win fast mm-hmm. why because here you've got a new community that's invested a lot of money a lot of emotional capital They're, they've got a new brand they want to get behind it why are we going to give them the rules from the 60s when new orleans and tampa came in or 70s when seattle and tampa came in with no chance to win why would we do that mm-hmm. uh, so i think it's much for the better. I had a lot of interviews uh, after Carolina and Jacksonville both went to the championship game in their second year saying, you know, don't you feel bad that Tampa? No, I don't feel bad because I, I was part of what went on in Tampa. I've seen since I've been here in Atlanta what went on in Atlanta at the start. just wasn't fair. Speaking of Tampa, your first pick, Warren Sapp, ended up pretty good. Your dad's first pick, Leroy Selman. Pretty That's good. pretty crazy that we yeah they're both in the Hall of Fame, which is um, it, Leroy Selman. You know, you, you gave me the the thing that uh, Coach Van Brocklin said about Tommy Novus, which was mm-hmm. he pointed to him in a locker and said, uh, you know, there's where the team dresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's a pretty cool thing. I would just say that in my dad's days, he used to say about Leroy that when he thought about the team after the first couple of years because we lost 26 in a row, he said that there was absolutely nothing positive to think about except. When Leroy Summon popped in your mind, you smiled because mm. you knew how he played. You knew who he was. The beautiful thing about both those men is think of what Tommy's done off the field. Think mm-hmm. of what he did with the Novus Foundation. Think of the fact that he started it for nothing for kids that, did, you know, kids that have many, many challenges. And now it's crazy. He's, he's impacted something like 25,000 lives. He's done all this. The Novus Foundation, I was driving in this morning. Uh, Coach Reeves was doing an ad for the Novus Foundation on uh, oh, Coach on one Dan of the, Reeves. Yep, oh, on wow. one of the radio shows, and it was like you know there is Tommy's legacy sitting there today, you know on the radio in Atlanta where he was the first pick in 1966. It's interesting you bring up Dan Reeves. Um, you know he played for those early Dallas Cowboy teams. He played with Mr. Cowboy Bob Lilly. Um, there's a quote. I don't have the quote, Rich, but he. You know, he ended up being coach here, but he's played with some great players, and he said that he thought Nobis was definitely worthy of the Hall of Fame. Um, but back to the Nobis, Tommy Nobis Center, founded in 1977. I think they had like three people um, initially working there. Now it spans over 
24 states. They help people across 24 states, uh, basically influencing and helping 25,000 people. Um, basically, it's helping people with disabilities get find meaningful work, which is just incredible. Yeah. Um, great guy. Yeah, great player, great human being. Um, and, you know, I wanted to bring up your past with your dad, too, because you guys know defensive players. Um, you were the architect of that Super Bowl 37 team in Tampa. Um, you know, I, I think, I don't know who you got to talk to, but I'm, I'm, I feel pretty confident that, uh, you're going to, you're going to reach the right people. I think what, you know, what we said, you and I, when we talked about it is it's just time. It's time for Tommy. It's time to acknowledge the franchise. It's time to acknowledge the franchise's seminal player, Mm -hmm. you know, in in, uh, Mr. Falcon, if you will, in Tommy, who had an impact from the day he got here to today. And that's a long that's a long time. I think that's a perfect way to wrap this up um, and just plug the fact that your letter will be out on AtlantaFalcons.com Thursday morning, along with this podcast, along with a bunch of other stuff about Tommy Novus. But uh, appreciate appreciate you guys doing it, uh, Matt. We got to keep pushing it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, look forward to you at, at some point this season hopping back on the podcast here. We'll talk to you. All right. Thanks, yeah. Rich. Thanks.